In today's gospel, we hear of Jesus' declaration of his own destiny. Even when he is warned that Herod wants to kill him, he knows that he must go forward and enter Jerusalem to fulfill his ministry. On the third day, I will finish my work, he prophetically tells those who are trying to warn him. Then I will go to Jerusalem, for that is where prophets must meet their fate. Here we see Jesus very clearly as both God and man. He knows what is to come, yet he must feel more than human anxiety about that fulfillment since he realizes exactly what lay ahead. When we read the Gospels, it's important to realize that even though Jesus develops and changes like any person, he is on some level ready for the future. In many ways, he's more difficult. He's on a more difficult path to follow than that of human ignorance. His impatience and anger over what is to come shows through here. We may think of Jesus as even-tempered and a calming presence, but in today's passage, as during his energetic overturning of the tables of the money changers, Jesus is angry. He says of Herod, go tell that fox for me. Then he lists what he's going to be doing and where for the next several days. In other words, if Herod wants me, he knows where to find me. Then he lists what he will be doing. And he scolds his listeners. I have tried to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. In these final days, before that last journey to Jerusalem, Jesus chides even those closest to him that they've not responded to his life and his teachings as they should have. He's trying to gather us under his wings also. Are we willing? This is a serious season for Christians. We're being reminded in today's gospel that we are the ones who must see the Christ and be able to say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Yet we must admit that being willing and following through are two different things. In a way, in today's gospel, Jesus is reminding his disciples that they have something to prepare for too. And it's fitting that as we enter these early days of Lent, we remember that we are also disciples. We need to be willing to accept that. Jesus offers us protection and the shelter of his love. We can imagine the hen gathering her brood under her wings. We can imagine that kind of safety, but it's only a figure of speech. What did it actually mean for the disciples? And what does it actually mean for us? We are no longer chicks. We can no longer expect to be protected from facing the realities of living in the world. How can we live as grown-up followers of Christ? First, we must presume that if we have promised by our baptism and prayers to follow Christ's admonitions, then we need to be serious about loving God. And I believe that means that if we love the creator of the universe, we must love all creation. Caring for other people, other creatures of many sorts, the natural world around us, trees, flowing water, soil, the seas. And we must do our best to love all people. That sounds safely abstract, 
but it needs to be localized. And we must treat all those we encounter with respect, presuming that they have a right to lives of safety and shelter and food. Our former rector, the late Stuart Schlegel, preached from this very pulpit that we don't necessarily have to like everybody, but we do need to love everybody. We might set that up as a Lenten goal. Now, I, I can't help noting that today is March 17th. Green. So, of course, it's St. Patrick's Day. People who would never think of coming to church on St. Patrick's Day, or any day for that matter, are very likely to know that it is a saint's day and wish each other happy St. Patrick's Day, perhaps even send a greeting card with a shamrock on it. Patrick is the patron saint of Ireland, so it might be expected that the Irish would celebrate this day. And Americans of Irish heritage, even if they've never been to Ireland, often choose to be Irish for a day. And I don't think it's all about the whiskey. There's sufficient evidence to support the idea that Patrick was a real man, a real bishop, a real missionary. He lived in the fifth century at the end of the Roman occupation of Britain. He probably was born in what is now Western Scotland or Wales. His parents were Christian, his father perhaps a deacon. Patrick was captured by Irish raiders and taken to Ireland where he remained as a slave for seven or eight years and he then escaped by ship, having been directed to his rescuers by prayer and a holy dream. Upon his return home, he began to study theology, eventually traveled to France to be educated for the priesthood. Then he determined to return to Ireland to teach and convert. We know how successful he was as a missionary and as a founder of the Christian church in Ireland. He's credited with several practices and miracles that are questionable, but they are endearing. He's said to have rid Ireland of snakes, yet biologists insist there never were snakes in Ireland. He's said to have taught the illiterate people about the Trinity by using the three-leafed shamrock. But scholars dispute that. I rather like that image. He's credited with some miraculous building skills, but he probably did little sawing or masonry. On March 17th, we are all entitled to put O apostrophe in front of our last names. My own paternal grandmother, whose ancestors emigrated to America from Ireland in the 1600s, fleeing persecution, were Protestant. I don't know what they thought of Patrick. My maternal grandfather's great-grandfather arrived in the U.S. from Dublin in time for his son to serve and die in the Civil War. And I can claim enough additional Celtic genes via the Hebridean McNeils to wish you a sufficiently Irish happy St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> and what did Patrick teach that was powerful enough to convert a whole pagan country? I like to think that it was a vision of Jesus that portrays him as very close to us, very real, very powerful, yet full of concern and love. I like to think of a Patrick who could preach and teach 
but also gather those pagan Irish as a mother hen gathers her brood. He had been a nobleman and a slave and a scholar, and he returned to Ireland as a latter-day disciple. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. <laughs>